Oh man, this is so exciting. We haven't done this in so long. Dear listener to the QQ Adventure, a podcast where we narrate a classic choose-your-own-adventure novel and choose our own adventure, thus making an interactive medium completely non-interactive for you. I'll be your unreliable narrator for this evening. I'm not the sidekick of a famous British detective. I'm not a doctor. No, I'm more like that unsettling NPC that teleports directly next to you whenever he goes out of frame. That's right, I'm Dr. I mean, Tom DuPont. Hi. I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit in some applause right there. Did you almost forget your name, or was that part of the joke? It's part, it's part of the script, shut up. <laughs> just want to make sure. <laughs> There's a script? <laughs> and I'm off it. Now let's meet our cast of super sleuths. First up, he is known as one of the greatest detectives in the Alpha Quadrant, despite having been born, or created, depending how you look at it, in the Gamma Quadrant. He started as an independent contractor working for space lizards, and he worked his way up to security chief of an entire space station. That's right, the unknown sample himself, Constable, to, I mean, Zach Mayer. Hi. That's your best René Abajanois, really? Hi. I figured that was pretty good. That seems like something that he would say. That's, that's pretty true. Hello. That's... Greetings. Oh, up next, when she's not fighting eldritch monsters from a parallel dimension beneath us using her mind powers, she is taming giant killer kaiju moths with her mind powers. In her downtime, she also enjoys solving mysteries with her Kryptonian monster hunting cousin. That's right, it's Enola, I mean Taylor Garcia. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome to the cast, Taylor. Thank you. Excited. That was that was an Enola Holmes reference, if no oh. one figured it out. I didn't. I didn't watch it on Netflix. She's got mind powers. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, he's that detective lurking in the back of the interrogation room who already knows that everyone's lying. You know he's not a British spy because his southern accent is just too damn adorable. That's right. It's the man who wisely took the time to stop and talk to Grandma, Detective Blanc. I mean Raúl Torres. Should I just choose a random Kentucky accent for this then? Please? Was it Kentucky? Is it a bourbon? It, it, it's a mystery, but that's the whole gag of it, I think. <laughs> no one knows. Oh, and tonight, dear listener, we'll be reading Edward Packard's 1981 classic, Who Killed Harlow Thrombay? Do you think it's Thrombay or Thrombay? Yes. Thrombe, thrombe, thrombe. What is in your head? Uh, Taylor, would you mind reading the back of the book for us? Can do. Should I start at the handwritten paper? Oh, would you please? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to make this sound like handwriting. Uh. <laughs> if you want to find out who murdered Harlow, Go to the White Horse Inn and ask for a man named Falcon. Mysterious. Someone murdered Harlow Thromby. Only you can find out who did it. Millionaire Harlow Thromby hired you to find out who was out to get him. But before you even got started, someone laced his bedtime brandy with arsenic. Now you have a murder case on your hands. The suspects include his wife, Jane, his nephew, Chartwell, and his niece, Angela, all heirs to his enormous fortune. <laughs> all right, sounds like uh, sounds like an adventure. Y'all ready to go on an adventure? So what's set the stage for me? What's the exchange rate? Because millionaires are kind of like not cool anymore. What was a million dollars in 1981? Uh, oh man, this is gonna be good. So it's almost <laughs> it's almost 2.5, but it's a little bit more than that. So one. Million dollars, 1981. <laughs> Let's see. The inflation calculator. I just want to know what type of millionaire we're dealing with. Just how rich is this dude? I don't know. I'm going to guess tens. Okay. You, you pre prepare to be wrong. If he's $1 million <laughs> uh, in 1981 was uh, is 3.2 million today. It's oh. 2.89 oh. average inflation rate. So, yeah. And it's only going to go up in the next week, so right. <laughs> who knows? Could be four million by tomorrow. <laughs> I was say this dude is probably at least in a one bedroom. He might not have roommates. I'm rich, bitch! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> the apartment is ripped controlled. Oh, all right. Okay, dear listener, the rules of the QQ adventure are simple. As I narrate, I'll be calling on our cast to play roles, describe pictures, and make decisions. Okay, cast members, if you make a decision that results in a good ending, you win. If you make a decision that results in a bad ending, you die. And remember, you only has one life. All right, let's do this. Let's turn to page one. And by which I mean page two, because page one is just <laughs> warning. Don't read this book straight through from beginning I'm, to I'm end. I'm a little terrified by like the first two sentences of this book. I don't know what we're getting ourselves into. <laughs> uh, well, before that, we need to describe this picture. Ruli, would you describe this picture for us? All right. It's a kid from the 70s on a telephone. He's wearing a turtleneck sweater. And just to also set the mood, it is a rotary telephone. In case you kids don't know what that is, you had to make the, the number spinny spin if you wanted to make a phone call. Also, he's got some, I'm going to assume this is like detective kit in the background, all nice and pretty. Like he might have a little bit of OCD. He's got his magnifying glass hung up. I guess those are two, like, rollers for ink and a bunch of suitcases, so you know he means business. I think that's the arsenic. Those are clearly face rollers. His jaw game <laughs> is strong. Can we also call attention, so I, I kind of like the bell bottoms, he's kind of pulling it off, but then he has this, uh, these, like, loafers that look like grandma's loafers? I don't, I don't know what's going on with shoes. I mean, it's black and white, so you can imagine them being, like, neon purple or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Ruli, you, uh, you said the first two sentences are interesting, so <clears throat> let's do this. It's been just a year since the robber climbed into your aunt... Marinda? Marinda? I don't know. Marinda's bedroom window at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh-oh, we need someone to play aunt... Marinda? Marinda? Someone tell me how to pronounce that. And, uh, Taylor... You're doing great, Tom. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, th I think Marinda seems accurate. Marinda, it is. All right, Taylor. Do you want to play Aunt Marinda? Sure. I think she's only got two words here. <laughs> uh, get out! No, no, we're not watching a Jordan Peele movie. We're reading. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> she screamed at him, and that's just what he did, taking her pearl necklace with him. The next day, you found a beer bottle in the bushes outside Aunt Marinda's house. Since she isn't the sort to toss beer bottles out the window, you handed it over to the police. The robber's fingerprints were on the bottle, and the police quickly identified him. And now he's safely behind bars. Since then, you've gotten quite a reputation as a detective. You've equipped yourself with a magnifying glass, fingerprint kit, and cassette recorder, and you're ready for business. Oh man, a cassette recorder. You know he's it's getting real. Some of your friends have decided to become detectives, too. That's okay. Isn't that like cutting it <laughs> in this business? I think... I think it's a sarcastic okay. Oh, that's okay. This is fine. Oh, no, it really is. <laughs> They're just a bunch of amateurs, except for the frizzy-haired girl who lives down the street, Jenny Mudge. She's definitely smart. In fact, sometimes you think she might be smarter than you. Oh, no. <laughs> Good old-fashioned competition. Now it looks like you've got your first big case. Harlow Thrombe, president of the Thrombe Plastics Company, just called and asked you to come to his house at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Zach, would you like to play Harlow Thrombe? I hear you have sharp eyes. What voice is that? <laughs> Going for a Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm going to give you not Scottish. All right. He said... <laughs> And that's what I need right now. I think my life is in danger. Go to page four. You ask Thrombe what he is afraid of, but he didn't want to talk on the phone. So you said you'd think about it and call back. You'd think about it? This is your big break and you're going to stop and think about it? Oh man, minus like 50 DKP for this kid. It was exciting to get a call from Harlow Thrombe, but maybe you should find out more about him before taking the case. If you phone Thrombe and accept his invitation, turn to page five. If you tell him that you can't come back this afternoon, but you'll call him back in a day or so, turn to page 17. Ruling, what is our first decision of the evening? 
I, I feel like this is cheating, but they're showing me page five right in front of me, so I'm oh, going to assume I don't die on page five. That's so bad. <laughs> All right, let's air quotes turn to page five. You knock on Thrombe's door at exactly five. A stout, balding man opens it. He eyes you suspiciously before nervously shaking your hand. Uh, oh, right, I'm sorry, I'm not reading this. <laughs> I'm Harlow Thromby, he says. Before we go inside, I'll show you around the place. The two of you stroll across the lawn past the scores of flowering shrubs and trees. Ahead of you is a large greenhouse. Oh, we have to get a, the character you needs a voice. Ruli, do you want to be you? <laughs> What does you sound like? <laughs> uh, y- I don't know. You too, Bono. I don't <laughs> Taylor, got right, we're just gonna wing this until I figure out who this dude is. Kermit Why the Frog. Think- <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just too hard for Please me. Please do it. Please do it. That's the ultimate child detective. Everyone. Knows. I don't think I can do it the whole time. <laughs> Why do you think your life is in danger? I'll figure it out. We'll just run with it. <laughs> you ask. It's my wife, Jane, Thrombe says. I do everything to make her happy. Expensive cars, trips around the world. She even has two pianos, a concert grand for herself and a smaller one for guests. He stops in his tracks and turns towards you, a dark look on his face. The truth is, I think she would rather have me dead. Uh, Taylor, would you describe this picture for us? Okay, so we have our uh, turtlenecked 70s child friend um, who is staring not actually at the face of Mr. Thromby, but kind of like chest level, which is a little weird. (laughs) Real tall dude. My eyes are up here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Little little rude youth. Um, He's got like a suit. So Thromby has a suit jacket, a vest, and a bow tie, and uh, I assume, you know, like a pocket watch sort of chain. Balding hair, just kind of a really weak attempt at a comb over. Epic comb over. Epic. Yeah. And just kind of the face of someone who's sad about his wife wanting him dead. (laughs) That's obviously my pimp chain. (laughs) The sadness comes out in the jowls. It really does. (laughs) All right, let's turn to page six. That's the next page. Oh, you! (laughs) So, what makes you think that? That's still just the wrong one. You said it was you! What does you sound like? Like, you! (laughs) And we voted Kermit the Frog! I can't do Kermit the Frog, you know this. (laughs) What makes you think that? It's not easy being green for you. Dude, I'm going to let Taylor be you, and we're going to get a better voice. We're going to recast mid-flight. Thrombe pauses again before replying. She told me. A few steps further, reaching the greenhouse, you watch curiously as Thrombe rattles the door and then turns towards you again. I wanted to make sure it was locked for the night. He says. Jenkins, a gardener. And build server. (laughs) Jenkins, our gardener slash build server, keeps arsenic there for spraying the trees the poor fellow's laid up in the hospital. (laughs) Who's who's playing you at this point? (laughs) All right. I I don't know what's wrong with me today. Maybe your wife just lost her temper. No, you're fired. You're fired, Taylor. You're taking over his you. Don't 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 put that standard on me. I don't You've got this. You've got this. I believe in you. Pick a voice. (laughs) Anything's better than just Raul's standard voice. Uh, Maybe your wife just lost her temper. Yes! Fucking perfect. (laughs) You suggest? I'd like to think so. Thrombe says, shaking his head. Maybe you'll be able to judge when you meet her. She's playing in a concert this afternoon, and should be back by six. As you are walking back to the front entrance of the house, Thrombe points to a bright red sports car pulling up to a stop. A trim, bearded man gets out and starts towards you. That's Dr. Robert Lipscomb, Thrombe says. He's coming for dinner tonight, along with my nephew Cartwell. 
Chartwell? Chartwell? Really? <laughs> that name is charting well <laughs> on Google Trends. That's, yeah. That's a bad joke. He's a he's in the music industry. He's gotta be. And my niece, Angela. I think Angela and Robert are planning to marry. I want to get to know Robert better, so I asked him to come early and play a few games of pool. Do you want to join us, or would you rather take a look around the place? There's no one here but Helga, our cook. If you decide to look around the place, turn to page 8. If you decide to play pool with Harlow Thrombe and Dr. Lips Lipscomb, Dr. Robert <laughs> Lipscomb, turn to page 12. Taylor, what are we going to do? Uh, I, feel, I, I, I personally kind of want to snoop, but at the same time... We know if somebody's going after Thrombi, we probably want to stick with them. Are you going to be rational about this? I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's what Kermit would do. Kermit would play pool. <laughs> You're going to play cool pool. Turn to page 12. Kermit's a shark. <laughs> Kermit T. Shark here. The game has hardly begun when Robert leaves to use the phone in the library, explaining he has to check in on one of his patients at the hospital. He returns about 20 minutes later, just as the doorbell rings. That must be Chartwell, Thrombe says. You and Robert go with Thrombe to the front door, where he introduces you to his nephew, Chartwell, a tall, stoop-shouldered young man. What the hell is a stoop-shoulder? <laughs> Don't know. Maybe he slouches. I mean, this was only written in 1981. You'd think we'd know the slang. I was born in that decade. I'm old. <laughs> I won't say anything. <laughs> oh, J- Jane leaves you wait. to dress for dinner. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Turn to page 10. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. We go back. Wow. Well, I'm glad someone spotted that. That is, wow. You can tell this is one of the early books. This is book nine. They hadn't figured out how to do this yet. <laughs> Thrombe shows Robert, Chartwell, and you to the library, just as the grandfather clock in the hall strikes six. Glancing out the window, you see a white Cadillac pulling up the drive. That's Jane. Thrombe says. Back from her concert. A few moments later, a large, round-faced woman enters the library. Taylor's already got a role, so really we have to recast you. I can be Jane, that's fine. So, so, so pleased to meet you. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I think I need more alcohol. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just Raul, but happy. <laughs> Jane says, shaking your hand. I've uh, heard a lot about you. Will you be joining us for dinner? <laughs> Thrombe's wife is surprisingly friendly. It's hard to see why he should be so afraid of her. Maybe he just imagines his life is in danger. You don't want to sit through a boring dinner, especially since there's a very good movie you'd like to catch ho- uh, at home on TV. <laughs> you glance at Harlow Thrombe. Do stay if you'd like. If you accept the invitation for dinner, turn to page 13. If you tell Thrombe you can't stay, but you'll talk to him tomorrow because you have to go watch your favorite TV show. <laughs> I, the Honeymooners. I don't know what was on in the 80s. Turn to page 17. Zach, what are you going to do? Oh, 17 is a death sentence. Uh, we gotta stick with Thromby. It's 13. Turn to page 13. Now you can read the line. <laughs> now I can pick up where I left off. Jane leaves to dress for dinner. When she rejoins the rest of you in the library, it's almost 7 o'clock. Does anyone know where Angela is? She asks. <laughs> it's Valley Roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. My god, Becky, look at her butt. Where's Angela? (laughs) (laughs) There is no response, but a moment later, the question is answered by a knock on the door. Trombe opens it, and a slender young woman steps inside. Her very light skin contrasts with her dark hair and eyes and black velvet dress. Look at her butt. Angela, at last you're here. Trombe says, Okay, we have got a cast of characters. (laughs) Uh, Taylor, do you want to run Angela? Okay. Oh, you guys, should, you guys should just compete for his Valley Girl accents. Just oh. you and Raul competing. <laughs> oh my god. I was gonna go bad Southern. I think yes. Valley Girl might be easier. But it, <laughs> I don't know. The, this this reads Southern. Sorry to... No, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's New York? York? <laughs> just channel, channel your inner Jessica Simpson. 
Oh, no. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means either. Um, <laughs> she, was a, she was in the movie, The Dukes of Hazard. Come on. Sorry to be late. Come on. <laughs> I, I was at my dentist in Springdale. It almost an hour's drive from here. <laughs> See, that, that's what I had in my head. That was perfect. <laughs> All right, Ruli, you got the job. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's all right, my dear, says Th- uh, Thrombe. Oh, that wait, that's not right, me. That's me. Oh, my God. That's all right, my dear. Says Thrombe. Now that you're here, I'll ask Helga to serve dinner. She wants <laughs> to leave early to visit Jenkins, our gardener in the hospital. In a few moments, everyone is seated around the large oak dining table. Helga brings in salad, rolls, and a platter of roast beef, which Harlow Thrombe carves with his long silver knife. The roast tastes as good as it looks, but everyone seems tense and nervous, and you can hardly enjoy the meal. After dinner, Helga clears off the dishes and hurries out the door. A few minutes later, at about 8 o'clock, Thrombe offers his guests brandy. Everyone but you accepts, and he goes to the pantry, returning in a few minutes later with five glasses on a tray. Why wouldn't you, the young underage boy, accept alcohol? This was the 80s? That was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally fine. You've got a you're a business owner. You should be drinking. That's true. I find a glass of brandy before bed helps me sleep. Thrombe says. And of course, it's good after dinner too. Turn to page fifteen. Wow, you just skip one. Oh, 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 there's a picture. Zach, you have not described a picture. Please describe this picture for us. Oh man, imagine Pagliacelli but dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. uh, it's Thrombi in his in his suit, clutching at his bow tie slash throat, looking like oh man, what does that expression say to you? That's not I'm dying. That's I. It's it's almost like a yawn. He's just kind of bored with life, so he's like, I think it's time for me to go. There's literally a curtain. Yeah, he's clutching a curtain. <laughs> I'm really seeing opera here. I think he nailed it. Yep. Oh, uh, okay, we've got a Robert. Did we did we cast Robert? There's too many people. No, I think Robert's no. new. I don't think we've heard him talk yet. So uh, if Ruli's taking all the uh, all the lady voices, <laughs> uh, Taylor, you got Robert? Here's to good health and a long life, sir. <laughs> I love it. Victorian <laughs> waif. We're in. <laughs> yep. Robert says as he raises his glass and the others join in the drinking. Then Robert, Chartwell, and Harlow Thrombe leave the game room to play pool, while Angela follows Jane into the music room. This is like Clue. There's a lot of rooms. Thrombe <laughs> asks you to join them in the game room. You'd rather play pool, but your job, after all, is to watch Jane. The music room is half-filled by two grand pianos. Jane sits at one and Angela and the other while you relax in an armchair. I'm Ruli's so glad to hear... What? <laughs> oh, he's just really talking to himself. You're good. <laughs> I'm uh, so glad to hear you. T- I'm gonna pick so up. <laughs> I'm like so glad to hear you're taking piano lessons. <laughs> Jane says to Angela, "Would you like to play duet with me?" You oh, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you're so much better. I'd rather listen to you. <laughs> Angela replies. Jane smiles at the compliment as she loudly strikes the first note of Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. You listen patiently for an hour and a half until about 8.30. Then slip out of the room and go to the library, where you spend about 20 minutes looking at Thrombe's collection of books and hunting trophies. Leaving the library, you can still hear the piano, so you walk down the hall to the game room. Chartwell and Robert are playing pool, but Harlow Thrombe is not with them. Suddenly, you hear a terrifying scream. <coughs> Rushing to the hall, you are shocked to see Harlow Thrombe lurching towards you. He falls and lies on the floor, moaning, and the others come running. Robert dashes to Thrombe's side. Jane starts to cry. Angela and Chartwell stand helplessly nearby. You run to the library and phone for an ambulance. It takes a few minutes to get the... Dot, dot, dot. Gonna turn pages. Call through. You rush back to Thrombe and stare a moment at his ashen gray face, then kneel down beside him. I've been poisoned, he gasps. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> do you know who did it? <laughs> For a moment, he struggles to get up and falls back, clutching his throat. He whispers, It, it, was, No, that's what it says. It trails off. Love a Monty Python reference. But those are his last words. You rush to the pantry where you find the open brandy bottle. Your watch reads 9.03. From experience, you know you may be able to learn more before the police arrive than afterwards. You must work quickly. Uh, Taylor, what's going on with this, this little picture here? So, <laughs> in order to properly inhale the potentially <laughs> noxious brandy, you smush your face up in your skull, and you get it real close to the bottle, um, and you just take a big ol' whiff. I don't know why anyone's letting you do this. Why is his face so small? <laughs> it's so smushed. Is he getting his fingerprints all over it, too? Yeah. He's gonna no. be the killer. He's touching it too much, and... Yeah, his face is small. That's that's all you need to know. Uh, this brandy was also made in 1880-something, so that's a 100-year-old a bottle of brandy. Um, how does, does brandy age over 100 years? I don't know shit about alcohol. Probably. I don't know. Think. All right. Also, you, you being a kid, I would imagine you don't know what, like, correct alcohol smells like versus not. Uh, <laughs> I assume? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to gain. If you decide to talk to the witnesses one at a time, turn to page 19. If you decide to talk with them as a group, turn to page 20. Ruly, who are we going to talk to? Let's do one at a time, because I cannot handle multiple voices. My brain just gets <laughs> scattered, and it's just, nope, not happening. So I think one at a time. Turn to page 19. You decide to interview as many of the witnesses as you can, one at a time, until the police arrive. You'd also like to inspect the pantry before the police disturb it. Oh god, so many choices. If you interview Chartwell, turn to page 27. Robert, turn to page 28. Angela, turn to page 29. Jane, turn to page 30. If instead you inspect the pantry, because you're fucking hungry from all this inspecting and detecting, <laughs> turn to page 31. Taylor, who are we going to interrogate? Well, I'm not going to pick Robert, because then I'd have to talk to myself. <laughs> uh, I feel like the leaving everyone alone and going to the pantry is a bad idea. But I think sandwiches. Jane was the initial suspicion, right? His wife? Uh, yes. Uh, let's go. You know what? Let's go Angela. <laughs> that was a red herring. That was a twist. Yes. All right, Angela, turn to page 29. As you walk with Angela down the hall, she turns and clutches your arm. It's tragic. He was such a good man. <laughs> she says. We were very close friends. I shall be grateful if you can find out who murdered him. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. You reply. But I need your help. Tell me exactly what you did. After I left the music room. Well, the truth is that I was in the music room the whole time. After you left, Jane asked me to play a piano duet with her. But almost as soon as we started, she got up and left the room. I thought it was quite rude of her. How about you? Did, did you leave the room? No. Not until I heard poor Harlow scream. Angela bows her head and begins to sob. At the same time, <laughs> the front doors swing open. It's Inspector Proofrock with two policemen behind him. Turn to page 34. A big man with a bushy red mustache. Proofrock strides into the library like a drill sergeant. Zach, you're back on duty, buddy. Be very careful about fingerprints. <laughs> nice. I love it. He says to his men in a loud voice. 
I don't want anything that looks suspicious sent to the lab for analysis. Ruli will let you be the officers, plural. See, <laughs> <laughs> si, si, senor. Proofbook <laughs> <laughs> asks everyone to identify himself. That's an awkward use of that word. And starts making notes in a little black book. When he learns Robert Lipcombs is a physician, he looks up with a sly smile. You must know a great deal about poisons, Doctor. Robert flushes with anger. Oh, I don't remember what I did with Robert. Uh, I think it was, uh, were you going for Scottish? No. <laughs> I am now. Um, are you implying that I murdered Thromby? He cries. This is the, by far the most characters we've ever had in one of these books, so it is, this is confusing. Clearly, we are professionals. Ignoring Robert, Prufox says, I'm going to talk to you one at a time, and remember... Anything you say may be used against you. Robert Lipscomb, come with me. Officer Schmidt will stay with the rest of you. Prufuck crosses the room and looks you in the eye. So, the great detective is here. He says sarcastically. You might as well go home to bed. I won't have any trouble solving this one. You smile to yourself. It's not likely that... This will be a case that breaks Prufrook's long string of unsolved crimes. In any event, Thrombe asked for your help, and it's your duty to figure out who murdered that booty. Look at her butt. While Prufrook <laughs> questions the dinner guests, you decide to look elsewhere. If you inspect the greenhouse, turn to page 33. If you go to the hospital and talk to Jenkins, the gardener, turn to page 35. Mr. Mayor, where are we going? Ooh. Ooh, I don't feel like we should leave the ground, so I'm thinking 33. Inspect the greenhouse. All right, let's go back one page to 33. You walk across the lawn, wet with the evening dew. When you reach the greenhouse, you are surprised to find the door wide open. You shine your pocket flashlight on the doorframe and look at it through your magnifying glass. The wood looks as if it's been gouged by a large pair of sharp pointed shears. You, you needed a magnifying glass to see that, really? <laughs> Inside, you walk past rows of potted plants. At the far end is a steel filing cabinet. On the top shelf are bottles of insecticide and rat poison. The shelf is covered with dust except one small round space from which a bottle has obviously been removed. Suddenly, a voice calls. Uh, Who's there? It's Prufuk shining his flashlight in your eyes. Oh, it's you. He says. We found Jenkins at the hospital. He says there's a bottle of arsenic on top of that cabinet. Ooh, there isn't any more. You reply. Someone broke in this afternoon and took it. One thing we can be sure of, then. Prufuk says. Jane Thromby didn't do it. She had her own key and wouldn't have needed to force the door open. He stands silently for a moment, apparently thinking. Well, the evidence is gone. There's nothing more to do tonight. I'm going home to get some sleep. This guy's a badass detective. Okay, Ruli, can you please describe this picture to us? Dude bro is next to an open door... And just to make sure you know that he has the magnifying glass, it's there. It has like little light waves, I guess, to show that he's looking at uh, the little scratch marks, but I can totally see it without the magnifying glass. So I don't know why he needs it there. Other than that, it's, it's uh, just a, a greenhouse with lots of windows and... I, I want to give credit to the artist because in other books, <laughs> they've not kept the costumes or the outfits uh, consistent. In this one, this is consistent. Same turtleneck, same grandma loafers. Same yeah, way too small face. <laughs> this is also true. Yeah, how old how old does he look? I, I haven't gotten that down yet. I'm going from somewhere between eight and like seventeen. I can't. I can't yeah. That is a broad range. Fifteen-ish, like maybe. Yeah. Old enough for that brandy is what I'm saying. Old enough to be hanging out. It's like nine o'clock. <laughs> He said it was 9.03 when he died. Yeah, no, his parents don't give a crap. <laughs> I mean, it's summer. It's still light out, right? <laughs> we don't know what part of the country this is. It's a good question. It could even be... 
Canada. Dun dun dun! <laughs> Proofbook is a mounty. If you check for further fingerprints and other clues in the greenhouse, turn to page 37. If you go back and check out the pantry because you're hungry and you want that damn sandwich, turn to page 40. Mr. Did I call you last time, Zach? Who did I call him last? You called me last. Taylor, where are we going? Uh, I, th I think we should go further into the greenhouse. Oh, God, just a sandwich. Turn to page 37. You take some fingerprint impressions, most of them are the same person, probably Jenkins the gardener. But you find another man's thumbprint and fingerprint on a bottle of rat poison next to the ars- Next to where the arsenic bottle stood. Next morning, you drop the fingerprints off at the police lab and head for Thrombay's house. I have so many questions, I'm just gonna ask this right now. Do it. Why is there a filing cabinet in the greenhouse? <laughs> Because you gotta file your plant taxes, so you get discounts and write-offs. I, I guess. We all know the best thing for important documents is high humidity and heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruli, can you describe this picture for us? It, dude's looking at a filing cabinet, and I think he had a growth spurt, because he looks way bigger now. It's like 17. <laughs> it, it's because his face is like proportional to his head in this one yeah his face got bigger <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a bottle of rat poison on top of the, the filing cabinet and uh you know maybe it is smaller you know what i think you know what actually now that i'm putting in this perspective that filing cabinet usually is gonna you know be holding a like what a letter what is it eight and a half by eleven and yeah you know his his head is smaller than that eight and a half eleven by file uh you know filing cabinet box so uh Maybe he shrunk. He or might have. I mean, there's only going to be a stack of four of those drawers in a given filing cabinet, so he's standing at like just over four feet tall. Maybe four <laughs> and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, quite five but, foot. He's a he's, he's a small boy. And, and also, just to make sure that they keep the the motif of a greenhouse, there's a little box that has a little bit of leafy things on top of it next to the rat poison, because just you got to remember, you're at a greenhouse. That's the cannabis. Turn to page 44. Helga meets you in front of the door and shows you into the library. Uh, I don't think we've done Helga, so, um... Ruli? Do we keep doing this? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a German voice, but... Um... Just do Swedish Chef. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it yet. So I don't really watch the Muppets that much to know what their voices are. <laughs> Everyone is here. Bort, Everyone. Bort. <laughs> Everyone else is here. She says. Inspector Pufflock asked them to meet me, meet him in the library at nine o'clock, but he just called to say that his alarm clock didn't go off and he'll be late. Bort, bort. <laughs> Wait, I'm so confused about the time as well. What what time is it? Nine o'clock a.m. It's like the next day. When did that happen? On the last page. You, page 35. You, you passed out in the greenhouse and just... Yeah, no. Uh, okay. you, got, you got the fingerprints and then it says next morning you drop the fingerprints off at the police lab and head for Thrumby House. Mm, okay. Dawn of the second day, 48 hours remain. If you turn to talk to Chartwell, turn to page 55. If you talk to Robert, turn to page 58. If you talk to Angela, turn to page 62. And if you talk to Helga, Swedish chef, talk to page 63. Talk to page 63. Got a bad <laughs> If you decide to walk around the grounds and think for a while, turn to page 64. Like your favorite Nintendo console. Uh, Taylor, let's let you choose again who we get to talk to. I'm really sorry, but I think we got to talk to Helga. <laughs> she she seemed attached to the gardener, you know? Turn to page 63. <laughs> you ask Helga to sit with you in the dining room. She seems frightened, and you try to reassure her that there's nothing to fear. I just want to ask you a few questions. You say... <laughs> She should be afraid of this. Uh, first of all, where were you from the time you cleared off the dinner dishes until the time Mr. Thromby died? 
I left immediately for the hospital. When did you arrive? About 8.30. After thanking Helga for that horribly long and complicated... What's that interview? What's it called? Interrogation. Interrogation. (laughs) You called the hospital to find out who the floor nurse was during visiting hours the previous evening. A second call brings you the information you need. Helga did visit her brother the night before, arriving at 8.30, just as she said. You hang up the phone, you glance out the window, where you see Jane Thrombay, accompanied by a man dressed in a gray pinstriped suit. Oh my god, we're going to a Scott concert. On page 79. (laughs) Hang on, did we know that Helga was the sister of the gardener? No. Nope. We do now. We do now. Yeah, okay. Nice. You go out to talk to Jane, but the man in the pinstriped suit steps in in front of her. Mr. Mayor, pinstripe suit. What's a, what's a ska person sound like to you? I'm Mr. Prim. <laughs> Son of a bitch. He says, Mrs. Thromby's lawyer. <laughs> Can you tell me, Mr. Prim? You ask. Who will inherit all of Harlow Thromby's money? Prim smiles. Yes. But it will not help you solve this case, I'm afraid. <laughs> Rombie's will provides that his fortune will be divided equally among his wife, Jane, his niece, Angela, and his nephew, Chartwell. Of course, under the law, a murderer is not allowed to inherit anything from the person he or she murders. If caught, you say. If caught. Prim turns his back. I think we'd better return to my office. Mm. <laughs> he says to Jane. I don't know, I was kind of hoping for like a punk screamo thing. If you got call. <laughs> <laughs> you said ska, that That's, punk. Oh, fair enough. You go into the Thrombe house, almost bumping into Chartwells. You step inside the front door. This looks like a good time to question him. Turn to page 74. Who is Chartwell? I don't know if he's spoken yet. Yeah, I don't think we've we've got one for Chartwell yet. Zach, I want a punk voice. <laughs> I can only talk for a few minutes. Chartwell it's like says. Reevesy. <laughs> I have only a few questions. You reply. First, how long was it before he screamed and the hollow thrumpy left you and Robert in the game room? It couldn't have been more than five minutes. <laughs> Chartwell replies. Who knew that arsenic was kept in the greenhouse? Everyone but Dr. Robert Lipscomb. But I'll tell you, I'm very suspicious of that fellow. Just completely disregarding that. Where were you between the time you arrived the afternoon of the murder and the time we first met? Why, I met you as soon as I arrived at the house. But you should know that when I pulled up to the drive, I saw Robert running to the front door, coming from the direction of the greenhouse. I think he was the one who broke in and took the arsenic. (laughs) It's a fucking musical. (laughs) Chartwell glances at his watch and turns his head out the door. At the same time, dot, 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 turn to page 85. How did Chartwell know that the arsenic was missing from the greenhouse? (laughs) Dun, Dun, dun. All right, uh, we have got a picture. <laughs> Taylor, can you please describe this picture for us? Oh, no. Okay, so so if you just take, like, Rombie's face and just make it real big and happy, <laughs> but with a mustache, way happier, not dead, uh, but it's a dude in a button-up shirt and a very disheveled tie and pants way up on his waist and a belt, and kind of running at you in a way that I think I'd be terrified. <laughs> way too happy about it. Like, this is this is like your long-lost grandpa gonna hug you. <laughs> um, also, somebody's getting out of a car outside of a window. They're nondescript. I gotta say, uh, is are Thrombe and Prufuck related? Because there's a lot of similarity here. Yeah, except the class. Far less class here. That, that, that is true. Look at that lame necktie. Nothing like the classy bow tie. Prufuck strides towards you from the direction of the library. Yeah, that's a stride. <laughs> I've solved the murder! He shouts. Through the window, you can see Chartwell getting into his car. 
How interesting. You say. Who is it? You may have heard that the murderer poured arsenal, arsenic. He poured an entire soccer team into his drink. <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard that the murderer poured arsenic into Thromby's brandy bottle late in the evening. We found that Chartwell broke into the greenhouse using a pair of garden shears to pry the door open. We found the shears in his car. The blade points match the marks made when the murderer pried the padlock off the greenhouse door. I wouldn't be so sure of yourself, Brufrock. You say. The two of you look out the window as Chartwell's car roars down the drive. Whose car is that? Brufrock demands. I'm afraid it belongs to the man you want to arrest. You reply. Prufuk rushes outdoors. You follow and watch him as he races to the car and jumps behind the wheel, fumbling for his car keys. Caps lock. Caps lock. Where are the keys to this car? (laughs) He yells. A policeman rushes from the house, holding a pair of keys up in the air. Ruli, you got this. Hey, you told me never to leave the car in the in the car, sir. <laughs> never leave the car. <laughs> he calls. He runs towards the car. A moment later, they roar down the drive. Lights flashing and silent sirens screaming. Turn to page eighty-six. You shake your head in disbelief. At least it's as likely that the person who used the shears would toss them in Chartwell's car as that Chartwell would leave them there. Prufrick reminds you of a dog chasing a rabbit that has just run the other way. Turn to page 89. Ooh, let's read the page before describing the picture. You return home, for you have some work to do there before lunch. Finally, someone's going to get a goddamn sandwich. By the time you get back to Thrombe's house, no one seems to be at home. After ringing the doorbell several times, you try the door. It's unlocked. And you step inside and walk down the hall to the library. Suddenly, you feel hard pressure of a gun behind your back. Oh, man. Um, Ruli, you got this. <laughs> I'm running out of voices. What voice am I doing now? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, we were going for we're going for music, a musical. So uh, let's 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 sing, buddy. All right. See, singing, singing, singing. <laughs> you need more brandy. I, I do, I do. I think I think I could hear. I, this is totally no, like a Disney musical right here. Yeah, I could do. Don't move. Don't look around. Every <laughs> <laughs> hand on, on your shoulder shoves you into a chair. You dare not resist as the attacker wraps a towel tightly around your head and over your ears and ties you to a chair. You hear papers rustling. Someone must be searching through Harlow Thrombe's desk. You could probably get a free hand and rip off your blindfold, but that might be dangerous. I think it's more important that the towel went around your eyes than your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Zach, would you mind describing this picture for us? Uh, I'm not sure this is all that legal. (laughs) It's, it it just, it's underage bondage. Like, that kid is 15, we decided, and he's tied up to a chair. I don't know where all the rope came from. There is a towel around his head and somebody behind him that we can't see the face of because of a well-placed desk lamp. (laughs) Flipping through papers in an office, so yeah. Are you saying the viewer was blinded by the light? Wrapped up with a towel, another detective in the night. Blinded by the light. (laughs) Yes. Yes, blinded by the towel at least. If you try to rip off your blindfold, turn to page 87. If you sit quietly and turn to page 90. Zach, have you made a decision in a while? I don't know, maybe. That was, that was a very inappropriate description you just gave, so why don't you pick <laughs> the next page? We're going to get shot if we do 87. I think we got to go to 90. Turn the page to page 90. Quietly. You do sit quietly and listen to the sound of the desk drawers sliding open and shut. Then something crashes on the floor. You hear a cry in a voice you recognize. You rip off the blindfold. There, in the dim light, hands raised in the air, is Dr. Robert Lipscomb. 
Why am I doing that? I just edit in a sound later. <laughs> a policeman is right behind him, gun in hand, standing a few feet away, a big smile on her face. Is Jenny Mudge? Oh, no. you, you hear the police. That's a deuce ex machina. You hear the police siren outside. A minute later, Inspector Proofuck storms into the room. Right behind you are Jane, Angela, and Chartwell, followed by two more policemen. I was questioning them all down at headquarters when I heard what was going on out here. Now we'll get to the bottom of this. Prufix says, in a flash, he snaps a pair of handcuffs on Robert. I'm innocent. I don't know who played Robert. He was Scottish earlier. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm kind of okay with the singing. (laughs) I'll bring a spreadsheet next time. Oh, so this is a musical? Yeah. I I don't know if I can sing in Scottish. (laughs) (sighs) Challenge mode, okay. I'm innocent! (laughs) Robert cries. Chopped well. (laughs) This is not going to work. Okay. Do the chopper. (laughs) I went German. (laughs) Oh no. Never go full German. (laughs) Chopped well will tell you. I couldn't have poisoned Harlow. We were together in the game room all evening. Jane is the one who did it. As I've told everyone, Harlow Thrombey accused, accused, accused her in his dying words. He yeah, Tom cruised her. Something happened to you. I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing you could do to a person. Uh, turn to page 121. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Who is going to describe please, this picture? Please, Zach. Please, please, Zach. <laughs> this is so much worse. <laughs> it's just... I have to feel like, you know, this book was published in the 80s. This feels like an excuse to draw a provocative scene that you wouldn't otherwise be able to really get away with in media in the time. So, yeah, no. It's 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 our balding friend, Prufrock, bodily molesting our Dr. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Just hands pinned up above his head against the bookshelf. Faces close. Robert honestly looks like he's enjoying himself, so this must be consensual, but... I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I have a very different interpretation of this. We are doing a musical. I think they are dancing. <laughs> <laughs> this is that scene. It is, it is some kind of dance. Um, it's not super clear that they both have pants on. I mean, the shading is not that specific or detailed. Uh, no, now you're just seeing what you want to see. They got creases in their pants. They are pressed. Yeah. No, I'm with him. Yeah. <laughs> pants are optional. They always have Moving them. on! Just a suggestion. You pull your tape cassette out of Robert's pocket and shove it in front of Robert's face. <laughs> you pulled your tape cassette out of Robert's pocket and shoved it in Robert's face. Oh, just... Just... Take the job and shove it. Why was it there? <laughs> We're playing hide the cassette tape. It'll feel much better if you say it like this. <laughs> oh no, okay. Uh oh, Kermit, right. Okay. Um <laughs> Oh no. I had a tape recorder planted in the music room all evening. You say? The piano never stopped. Since Jane was the only one playing. I know you lied about Thrombey's last words. Oh, shoot, it's me again. Okay, uh, <laughs> But I couldn't have borrowed his last drink. I was in the game room. Robert says. True enough. You say. And so was Chartwell. Angela was the only one who could have put the poison in the brandy bottle. Then I'm innocent. Robert cries. No, you're not. <laughs> Wait, was this was this the the Southern Bell? Was this the? I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Screams Angela, her face red with anger. You got the arsenic from the greenhouse for me. I can't even keep track of these anymore. Um, you've got the arsenic from the greenhouse for me. <laughs> Suddenly, Robert is on his feet, making a break for the door. In a flash, Prufuck pins him against the bookcase. Okay. <laughs> 
It'll feel much better if you say it like this. They dance <laughs> and spin and dip and twirl until Angela slumps in her chair, burying her head in her arms. It is such a shame, Jane Thrombe says. <laughs> Harlow was going to give you two of the, the a trip to Hawaii for your wedding present. <laughs> Prufix shuffles towards you takes the cassette out of your hand and stares at it dumbly like a dog staring at its reflection in the water. How did you think of putting a tape recorder in the music room? He says. Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't. You reply, taking the cassette back from him. This is just an old Beatles recording. Oh, what's a, what's a Beatles song that's appropriate for this? Na, 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 no, no, no. Hey, Tuesday, Mrs. Robinson. That's not the Beatles. <laughs> Could be. They all live in Yadiga. The end. All right. Uh, we won. I don't know. We made any meaningful choices of any kind in this book. <laughs> Wait, didn't hey? There was like a name? page with like five choices on it. Yeah, and no, we didn't. We didn't go to the pantry. We resisted the urge to eat. I want a sandwich. No, but Taylor's right. Like. Jane, is that her? I don't know. No, not Jane. Whoever the other detective was Jenny, shows up. Jenny Mudge. Jenny. Jenny Mudge shows up to save you and then stands quietly in the back of the room. What is she <laughs> and doing says there? Nothing. <laughs> Why says did she get, nothing. This isn't her house or yours. <laughs> Why was she there? <laughs> Why didn't she help earlier? <laughs> Jenny did it. <laughs> Plot holes you can drive a truck through. I mean, Robert needed help tying up the rope somehow. Maybe she had a thing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, no. Oh, all right. So, um, yeah, we, I, usually we would, we would jump back and say who won or lost, but I don't see that happening in this particular book. So, um, yeah, let's go out with who was our sponsor for this evening? Who would like to pick a sponsor? After these messages, we'll be right back. Jimmy's Jockstrap Emporium for all your jockstrap needs. You could have gone with Jimmy John's for the sandwich. I want a sandwich the whole time. You're going for Jimmy. I feel yeah. Jimmy John's is a good innuendo, actually. Yeah, Jimmy John's Jockstrap Emporium. Home of the Blandwich, Jimmy John. Do you like mayonnaise? Jimmy John's. White bread and mayonnaise, Jimmy John's. <laughs> again, again, perfect innuendos for the <laughs> Oh, man. Jimmy John's. At least it's not Subway. <laughs> All right, and that concludes volume one. What do we what do we call these? Of who killed Harlow Thrombe? Yeah, super sleuths. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I can't believe we're finally doing this again after a two year hiatus. I'm stoked, Taylor. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh yeah, this this is great. <laughs> Can we get a full blown uh, Kermit uh, arms up in the air? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how to do that noise. <laughs> what what are the, what's the name of the two uh, critics? Oh, the two guys. Old people. <laughs> this, this was a trivia. Oh thing. man! Wow, yeah. they could barely read a book. They're, they're illiterate, but they got a podcast. Oh, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm so bad at this. Stutler and Waldorf. Ah, there you go. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. That was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're getting into this again. A, a little rusty. I, I, I will admit I was a little rusty on it, but we'll, we'll get back into this and I will discover what voices I can actually remember. We had a QQ Adventure <laughs> first roll. You got fired mid-voice. <laughs> Oh, all right, dear listener. Thank you so very much for joining us. I think we'll be back next week with a regular podcast. Uh, actually, no, we won't. I'll be out of town. So in two weeks, we'll be back with a regular podcast. And then hopefully we can schedule another one of these. Maybe maybe next month, maybe July. We shall see. Zacharilli, thank you as always. And Taylor, thank you so very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, right. Taylor. <laughs> thank you. And until next time, dear listener, is it just QQ? Is it QQ Adventure? Who killed QQ? It's a terrible outro. <laughs> Fucking terrible. Terrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. If you like what you hear, check out our website at qq-cast.com. We have multiple types of podcasts, quests, news, reviews, and our choose-your-own-adventure podcast, The QQ Adventure. That website, again, is qq-cast.com. Now, please remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-workers or co-hosts, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. Thank you so much for playing my game.